Blog Talk Radio. tonight from across the globe, eastern part of this world, western, 
the northern part, the southern part. I want to uh, say God bless you, those of us that are a part of this wonderful ministry, Reaching Out Radio International. We are so blessed to have you join us tonight. And whenever you happen to be listening, whether you're listening live or you're listening to one of our on-demand uh, programs, we just bless you. In the name that's above and higher than any other name, the wonderful name of Jesus. You're listening to In the Word with your sister Pearl tonight. And I am so blessed, so very grateful to God for this privilege to be with you. Uh, I want to thank God for uh, our visionary behind this ministry, Evangelist Montel Fields. And I just want to bless the woman of God and all of our other hosts and hostesses that are part of this great ministry. We pray that you're doing really good tonight. And for all of you that are listening from around the world, from uh, the great continent of Africa all the way to South America, we bless you in the name that's above every name. Tonight, we're going to talk about a very interesting subject the sanctity of human life. Now, I wish I did not have to talk about this because I wish that everybody around the world understood how very sacred human life is. But it is obvious now in 2024 that many people, even those, sadly, that claim to be within the church, do not understand the great significance of a human life. The first National Sanctity of Human Life Day was designated as January the 22nd in 1984 in the United States of America via a proclamation issued by then-President Ronald Reagan. Now, this year in 2024, it marks the 40th year since the sanctity of life is being remembered in our nation. And again, remember that I am broadcasting from the United States of America. And this past January 21st was Sanctity of Life Sunday this year here in the States. I'd like to read an excerpt from an article that was written by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission two years ago. Remember, this was written in 2022. And it, it tells us basically what we should know about Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. So back then, it would have marked the 38th observance of the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. On that Sunday, churches across the country lament what former Southern Baptist Convention President J.D. Greer called the greatest moral tragedy of our day, the evil of abortion. While Christians use the day to pray and mourn for the preborn who have been lost, many are not aware the annual church event originated in the White House. On the 10th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision, President Ronald Reagan wrote an essay about abortion that was published in the Human Life Review and later issued as a book titled Abortion 
and the conscience of the nation. The only book ever published by a sitting U.S. president. The essay is one of the most forceful defenses of life and the strongest denunciations of abortion ever issued by an American president. And I'm quoting the former President Reagan. The real question today is not when human life begins, but what is the value of human life, wrote Reagan. The abortionist who resembles, reassembles the arms and legs of a tiny baby to make sure all its parts have been torn from its mother's body can hardly doubt whether it is a human being. The real question for him and for all of us is whether that tiny human life has a God-given right to be protected by the law, the same right we have. I've often said we need to join in prayer to bring protection to the unborn, added Reagan. Prayer and action are needed to uphold the sanctity of human life. I believe it will not be possible to accomplish our work, the work of saving lives, without being a soul of prayer. End of President Reagan's quote. A year later, Reagan issued Proclamation 5147, National Sanctity of Human Life Day, 1984, which notes, since 1973, however, however, more than 15 million unborn children have died in legalized abortions, a tragedy of stunning dimensions that stands in sad contrast to our belief that each life is sacred. Let me say that again. Since 1973, however, more than 15 million unborn children have died in legalized abortions. And remember, this was said in 1984. So in 1984, 11 years from 1973, more than 15 million unborn children have died in legalized abortions, a tragedy of stunning dimensions that stands in sad contrast to our belief that each life is sacred. The proclamation designated Sunday, January 22, 1984, as National Sanctity of Human Life Day. I call upon the citizens of this blessed land to gather on that day in homes and places of worship to give thanks for the gift of life and to reaffirm our commitment to the dignity of every human being and the sanctity of of each human life. Reagan would go on to issue the proclamation annually until he left office in 1988. His successor, George H.W. Bush, continued the tradition, as did George W. Bush. The practice was discontinued during the presidencies of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama but resumed under Donald Trump. 
In one of its final acts before the swearing-in of a new president, the Trump White House issued a proclamation in 2020. President Joe Biden has not issued a pro-life proclamation 21, 2022, or 2023, and he certainly didn't do one in 2024. In the 21st century, Tens of thousands of churches across America observe the sanctity of Life Sunday. My question to you that are listening, especially you that are listening within the United States of America, where does the church you attend have to say, and what do they have to say regarding the sanctity of life which God created and fashioned after his own image and likeness? Did the church you attend and pay your tithes to honor and celebrate Sanctity of Life Sunday? If not, why not? Perhaps your pastor is not aware of such a national proclamation and needs to be informed of this national observance. However, if he and church leaders are aware of such a special day to honor unborn children in the womb, and they purposefully choose not to observe the day, then perhaps you should consider whether or not you want to remain in a local congregation which does not honor precious life in the womb, more so dishonoring God himself who creates all life. Today's message, like every other message preached on this broadcast, is not based on my personal opinion but on God's holy word, the tragic mistake I see being made is that in the society that you and I live in, there are too many men and women who claim to be Christians and even Christian leaders, yet they are quick to play God when it comes to the subject of precious human life, developing and growing in the womb of his or her mother. The Protestant Evangelical Church, of which I'm a part of, has for the most part embraced the idea that we are not only the director and chief of our own lives, but any children we would be able to naturally conceive, their existence is up to the parents and not a sovereign God. Thus, contraceptive devices, condoms, birth control pills, IUDs, medical injections, and surgeries to perform tubal ligations on women of childbearing age and vasectomies for men would erase the possibility of conceiving a child. Contraception is a whole other conversation altogether, and we'll not tackle that in this broadcast. However, once men and women go down the road to autonomy of their own bodies, it is no huge step to embolden them to believe that they deserve the right to choose whether or not a small baby is at their mercy and is a matter of their choice and not that of God Almighty. This particular message will not discuss the many adverse physical effects and even mental and emotional effects that can arise from deviating 
from God's original plan for a fertile man or woman. Instead, I will attempt to just plan, to just focus on the all-important and sacred life of that precious little baby boy or baby girl conceived and living inside his or her mother. I'm interested to talk about what God has to say on this subject, which carnal men and women have made to be so supposedly controversial. A dictionary definition for the word controversial simply means giving rise or likely to give rise to public disagreement. However, when it comes to human life, produced in the womb of a woman and impregnated by a man, I want to remind all of our listening audience that there's a third person who's inextricably involved in the conception of that little life. person is the creator of all men and women, boys and girls. And who is this? God. God Almighty himself is that third person who's inextricably involved in every conception of human life. So the Bible says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Now, if you're anything like me, you cannot help but ponder about the increasingly strange world you and I live in where now people are killing their children in the womb to the tune of about 73 million abortions per year. Yes, you heard me correct. 73 million abortions worldwide per year. According to the Center of disease control and their latest surveillance report in 2020, among the 30 areas that reported race, we're talking about now in the United States of America specifically, among the 30 areas that reported race by ethnicity data for 2020, non-Hispanic white women, meaning white, and non-Hispanic black women, meaning black, accounted for the highest percentages of all abortions, meaning 32.7% and 39.2% respectively. And Hispanic women and non-Hispanic women in the other race category accounted for lower percentages, 21.1% and 7.0 respectively. Black women had the highest abortion rate, 24.4 abortions, per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44 years, and ratio 426 abortions per 1,000 live births. Wow. So we're talking about close to 500 abortions per 1,000 live births for black women 
in America. And though every ethnicity has been affected by abortion, none so much as the black population in the United States. The mother of abortion in America was the infamous Margaret Sanger, who wrote in one of her letters to her constituents, and I'm not even going to get into Margaret Sanger because that's a whole other broadcast. We would need at least an hour, if not three programs, to just talk about this woman that was the antithesis of everything to do with healthy lifestyle. But just in a very capsulized way, I want to mention that Margaret Sanger wrote to her colleagues about reaching out to the black ministers so that they would be the ones influencing their ignorant congregants, and that's my word, I put that there, ignorant congregants, because ignorant means that you just don't know and you're misinformed or uninformed. And here goes a quote. So this is verbatim what Margaret Sanger told her colleagues. The minister's work, and she's talking about black ministers in America, the minister's work is also important, and he should be trained perhaps by the Federation, as to our ideals and the goals that we hope to reach, we meaning the eugenicist movement. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it occurs to any of their more rebellious, So what she meant is if there's anybody questioning the agenda of the Negro Project, which it was called at that time, now it's called Planned Parenthood that kills not just black children, but every ethnicity you can imagine, focusing on black little boys and girls, but certainly killing off little white babies and uh, brown babies and red babies and yellow babies. And as of May 2023, there have been over 63 million legal abortions in the United States alone, not globally, just in the U.S. of A. since 1973, when Roe v. Wade was in effect. Thank God, thank God Almighty that as of June 2020, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And now it is up to individual states across the United States of America to decide on what position they're going to take regarding abortion. To be frank, I believe this entire conversation boils down to one very critical issue. This is what I believe with all my heart. How much do we, how much do you 
And how much do I respect God who is holy? And you might say, well, why, why are you bringing in about respecting God? Because God is the creator of life. He's the creator God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So if we believe the word of God, which many of you listening to Reaching Out Radio International, many of you, thank God, do believe in the word of God. And for those of you who do not yet believe in the word of God, I want to invite you because it's only the word of God that has truth, the full truth. Notice that the end part of this verse, Colossians 1.16, says that not only did God create all things in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, meaning those that are seen and those that are unseen, whether it's in thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Notice this last clause. And for him. So what does that mean, listening audience? If a little baby boy is created in the womb of his mother, he is created for God. She is created for God. Understand the purpose. Understand the assignment. Understand the why, because all over people are trying to figure out why created, why am I here, what is my purpose, why did God allow me to be on planet earth, and here goes the answer, it's found very clearly in the last clause of Colossians in the New Testament, chapter 1, verse 16. We were created through him, by him, and for him. And one of the reasons why there is so much confusion today in the 21st century, people are here, is because they're trying to eliminate God. And God is the very reason that we've been put on planet Earth. So please understand that not only is he God, the creator God, not you and not me, but God, but we've been created for a reason, to honor and glorify him. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, those of you that listen to Reaching Out Radio International and you listen to this program, In the Word with Sister Pearl, you've heard me repeat this particular passage of Scripture time after time because it is so critical to understand the Word of God, who Jesus is, and in context of his Word. In the beginning was the Word. 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. We're not talking about man-made creation now. We're not talking about some little statue that some man or woman creates, you know, out of sand and, and, and water. We're talking about created by Almighty God. He is the creator. I love what it says at the very beginning of the first book of the Holy Bible in the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not only did God create the heavens and the earth, but he created you and he created me. So this is the God that we're talking about. And the Bible says, I want to just read to you a few of the characteristics of God. Because so many times when we talk about God and we hear of God, you know, the name God, a lot of us have no real understanding or frame of reference as to who we're talking about. So I want to use the word of God to bring us in alignment with just some, a very few but important characteristics about this great God that I'm talking about tonight. So first I said that he is the creator God. He is the one who creates life in the womb. He is the one that created a man from dust and then breathed his life into his nostril and made him a living soul. He is the one that created woman. He is the one that made a woman to be able to hold and carry a child in her womb for nine months, impregnated by a physical man, because he's the creator God. Now, in 2024, you know, we're trying to, when I say we, I don't necessarily mean you or me, but there is an elitist group of people who think and do better than God, but notice this very important fact. If they can do better than God or if they think that they're greater than God Almighty, then they should start with nothing. And yet none of them start with nothing. What they do is try to take something that God has created and then manipulate that. Because why? They don't have the power, neither the authority, to create something out of nothing. Only God himself can do that. The Bible tells us that God spoke and the world came into existence. A human being cannot do that because we're limited, extremely limited. As much as you see... Some of these people um, that have totally, I think some of them are mad scientists because there is no reason that they should be trying to, you know, do one better than God. 
You cannot do better than God. What you can do is create a monster, but you can't do better than what God has already made. And another reason is because God is love and nobody else can love. Nobody else is the embodiment of love like God. The Bible says that he is love. First John chapter 4 and verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I would also say that for you to really know love in the way that God wants you to know, and none of us know the love of God in the way that God understands his love because we're limited, we're finite, we're not God. Our brain, our intellect cannot fully grasp the greatness and the depth of God's love. But to the extent that our limited minds can grasp it, we will never know true love unless we know God and his love. Another scripture is 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Here it goes again. God is love. One sentence, three words. God is love. Ever lives in love, lives in God, and God in them. Again, First John, that's the epistle of John, near the ending part of the New Testament. First John 4 and 16. Now, this, why am I taking my time to really talk about just a few of the aspects and the characteristics, the attributes of God? It's because God created us. So I want you to know just a little bit about this great God that created us. God is the creator God. God is love. And he's also light. See, when we don't know God, we walk around in spiritual darkness. The Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 12, then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Wow. The one who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So in other words, you know, it's just fascinating, and it, it, it would be comical if it were not sad. When I look on social media and I listen to some of these things on TikTok, and some, look, some of the things on TikTok are great, but you also have a whole barrage of things that are totally out of left field that you know are just a pack of lies and things that are filled with darkness and so against everything that God speaks and everything that is right. And how do I know that? Because I read the word of God, and I allow the word of God to be activated in my life. 
and you can allow the word of God to be activated in your life. But if you don't have the word of God, if you don't know the word of God, then you, I can tell you quite frankly, you're in darkness. Because Jesus again spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. And the one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John eight twelve. Here goes John again, the same Apostle John, but now he's an older man, and he's speaking in the epistles in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, and he's saying, this is, now Jesus has already you know, ascended into heaven at this time when John the Apostle wrote this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all, meaning there is no sin. There is no wickedness. There is no evil. There is no confusion. There is no deception because he's light. And I like what he says at the end of this. The last clause is, in him, there is no darkness at all. Why? Because God is light. And God is spirit. I want you to know that. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 24. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 3 and verse 17 says it like this. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Remind me of a wonderful verse in John chapter 3 that says, you must be born again. And what does that mean? Why did Jesus tell Nicodemus and why did he tell every man and woman on the face of the earth, that we need to be born a second time, not only the first time when we are born from our mother's womb, but we need to be born of the spirit of God. Why? Because God is a spirit. And unless we're born of the spirit, we're going around, we're existing, but we are dead spiritually. So when we're dead spiritually, we don't have what it takes to live a life in accordance and in alignment with God's holy word and with the plans that he has for our life to know all of you that are listening to this broadcast, whether you be a man, whether you be a woman, whether you be living in Asia, whether you be living in North America, whether you be living in Europe or South America or the Caribbean or in some African nation. You need to be born. I need to be born of the spirit of God because God is spirit. If we're not born again, our spirits are dead. The reason why we don't understand how we can really please God, because in our flesh, in our own uh, capacity, in our own will, 
in our own carnal might, we don't have what it takes to understand the things of the Spirit, to understand the things of God. And so we find ourselves doing things that are going against God. And that's why we need to be born of the Spirit of God, because he himself is spirit. God is spirit. And I just read that to you. I'll read it again. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. John of the Gospel, chapter 4, verse 24. Now, Jesus, God, is also truth. This whole lie about, oh, well, it's a woman's body, and a woman has a choice over her own body, and the baby living inside her body is not sacred. That's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus, God, and what does he say in John chapter 14 and verse 6? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You and I will not even know how to navigate this which what we have been given called life. We do not know how to fully, successfully navigate life without Jesus or apart from Jesus. And you might say, oh, oh, Sister Pearl, that's not true. We know a lot of people. They don't even believe in God. They're doing very well. They're rich. They've got lots of money. They've got lots of land. They can buy all kind of properties and houses and even it seems that they can buy people and families and yeah, there are people like that. But some of those same people that are so loaded financially, if they if it was just up to money, my question to you is this then why do some of these people commit suicide? Why do they not feel satisfied with the money that they have, which they're already rich? Why do they always want more than what they've got? Why do they need to turn to alcohol? Why do they need to turn to drugs? Uh, Why does one man that has a good wife that's giving him everything that a woman can give as a wife, why does he feel the need to have other women in addition to his wife? And then some of them are so perverted that they leave their wives and now they try to um, see if they can get their own kind, see if they can, you know, have an adventure and, and, and try to see what that's all about. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why people do that, even though they might be extremely wealthy, even though they might own so many things, have big companies, have big money, but wind up destitute, that you feel sorry for them. Why is that? 
because they don't have God. They're void of Jesus. And Jesus said, look, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some of these people, they can't even live comfortably because they know how many children they've aborted. They realize that. And I don't care how many of these women say they want to shout out their abortion and they're so proud that they aborted. They're not proud that they aborted. And even if they are, they're deceived and they soon wind up feeling the sorrow because they it comes to them eventually what they did. See, God is truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. We're not that. This is what I'm trying to emphasize tonight. We are not God, and we cannot pretend to be God. We're not the creator God, okay? We're not love. We're not the embodiment of love. We're not the embodiment of life. We're not the embodiment of spirit. We're not the embodiment of truth. That's only Jesus. That's only God. Not us. Then who God is, in contrast to who we are, Jesus is God. For some of you that that might still be wondering, is Jesus God or is he not? Let me read to you 1 John 5.20. I've already spoken messages. I had an entire message that Jesus is God. Please, for those of you who have not heard that message, go on your Reaching Out Radio International uh, channel, whether you get it on you know, the Internet or you listen by Roku or however you listen. You can look up in the Word with Sister Pearl on Reaching Out Radio International, and you can look up that message, Jesus is God, very clearly. But let me just read to you one verse that is clear for those that might be still doubting. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. There's so many, many more names and attributes of God that I could give here, but time will not allow me to do so. However, for this theme, the sanctity of human life, I believe I've listed enough. The bottom line is that neither you nor I are God, and we will never be God. Only the creator of this universe is God, and only he has the right and authority to grant life or to take it away from us. The fact that we would presume to think and then act on being the conveyors or judges of another innocent person's life is beyond corrupted. And who could be more innocent than that unborn baby 
developing in the womb of his or her mother. I've listened to ignorant women and even men say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. That's absolutely absurd. The woman who carries her baby and the man who impregnated her are simply vessels whom God used. Neither the man nor the woman has the power or ability to create human life. Life is a gift from God, and only he alone is the one to decide when a life should be born or not. The moment an individual or a philosophical group of people or an institution dare tread into the realm of who they feel is worthy of life, we are in huge trouble. Why does the enemy Satan so target the baby growing in the womb of his or her mother? Simply because that little child is created in the image and likeness of God. The Bible says in Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God goes on to say in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, For you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you meaning I will give thanks to God, because I am awesomely and wonderfully made, or fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written, all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. You know, it's amazing when you meet a brand new baby, and especially if that's the the woman's first child or the, the man's first little son or daughter. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And every birth... Even if that family has 10 children or 12 children or 14 children, it is amazing. It's amazing to see a child come into this world. And even though God uses a man and God uses a woman, not two men and not two women ever, but a man and a woman, a woman that will conceive. And and a man that gave his seed and is a part of that conception, it is an amazing thing to see that baby come into the world and to think that we in this society now do not revere and hold sacred a precious little life coming into the world. When God says, I knew you before you were conceived, 
in your mother's womb. Not at the point of conception, but before you were conceived, God says, I knew you. When people engage in the act of murdering children in the womb, they take part in being accomplices with God's enemy. They're an accomplice with Satan, with the devil. Because what did Jesus say in the Gospel of John? Specifically, John 10.10. The thief, meaning the devil, the enemy. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I love that verse through 19 and verse 14. You remember that time? when Jesus was in a certain place and a lot of the children were coming around him and the disciples became a little aggravated with those children, a little annoyed with the children. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Leave the children alone and do not forbid them to come to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. What God meant is allow these children to come to me alive. It's only a twisted mind that would think that you got to kill the children and then send them over to Jesus who's up in heaven. That's not what God was saying. Leave the children alone. Let them live. Let them prosper. Let them thrive. Forbid them. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Another thing which I find so interesting yet paradoxical is how we think of those destroying little babies in the wombs as doing something perfectly normal and okay, when in fact nothing could be further from the truth. Something horrible happens to the soul of an individual, to the soul of a city, to the soul of a state, and even a nation and our global society when taking innocent life becomes commonplace and the standard. Sadly, in even so many of our churches, abortion is considered no big deal. It makes one wonder what day we are living in. Never forget, in one of these sessions that I held to expose what these people do, I remember showing a video of a bunch of abortionists that were meeting, discussing, you know, the different abortions that they perform and some of the emotions that they feel. And I remember one of the abortionists, she she actually talked about developing her muscles, going to the gym and developing her muscles because she wanted to crush the bones of the baby inside of the mother's womb in order for those working with her in the abortion room not to see anything come out of the woman that would look like a baby. So she would actually strengthen her muscles to try to crush unimaginable. And you wonder why we are in this world in so much difficulty, why there's so much bloodshed in our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, why it's on the increase, killing. Because of Isaiah 59, 1 through 3, behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your wrongdoings have caused a separation between you and your God. 
Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now listen to verse 3. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with wrongdoing. Your lips have spoken deceit and your tongue mutters wickedness. Again, in closing, life is sacred because God has created us in his own image. It is high time that we respect God. And out of our genuine respect and love for God, honor what he has created in his own likeness and after his own dear image. We need to respect God and have a healthy respect and honor for the lives which he has created. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, words fail us to thank you enough for the sanctity of human life. God, we are broken when we think about how very lightly we've taken life which only you have created. No man, no woman on planet Earth can ever just on their own create human life. Creative human life. And God, we respect you as such. Forgive us for playing God. Forgive us for for taking decisions that we should have never taken for those who have already killed their children and now they're remorseful now they're sorry god forgive them heal them heal their broken hearts tell them to understand that you forgive them lord god there is forgiveness for every sin that we can commit except for blaspheming against the holy spirit so god there's forgiveness even for committing the horrible act of abortion. There's great forgiveness. If we will just ask you to forgive us, you will wash us, you will cleanse us, you will make us brand new as if we've never sinned. But help us to be honest and repent of the wickedness of taking human life, which only belongs to you and not to us. God help us to come close to you and to just surrender our lives to you. I ask for every man and every woman listening to this broadcast tonight to turn from every wicked way and to confess and to acknowledge that only you are the giver of life and we dare not touch or try to play, or hinder life coming into this world because we are not God, only you are God. Do this, that your name would be uplifted. Do it, that your name would be glorified. And we will not forget to come back and say thank you, Jesus. Amen. May the Lord bless you real good until next broadcast. This is Reaching Out Radio International, your sister Pearl. I love you very much, but Jesus loves you so much more. Until next week, God bless you real good. Bye-bye.